Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's continue to worship the Lord all across this building. Come on, there's a lot of needs represented in this house. I think it'd be appropriate if we lifted up our hands in faith and begin to call on the name of the Lord and ask that God would touch each and every one of those needs. Hallelujah. I believe that miracles can happen right now. According to your faith, be it unto you. According to your faith, be it unto you right now. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody call on the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Come on, at the name of Jesus, everything's going to bow. I proclaim it in the name of Jesus. With Jesus, it can happen. With Jesus, it can happen. Hallelujah. 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 There's a breakthrough in this house. Somebody lift up your hands for a couple more moments. There's a breakthrough in this building. Hallelujah. When people with needs come before a God that can answer those needs and they come in faith, miracles happen. Hallelujah. Miracles happen in the name of Jesus. Somebody pray. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise in Jesus' wonderful name. Praise God, praise God, praise God. Amen. It is so good to be in the house of the Lord here on this Wednesday night service. Amen. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be turning open to the book of Matthew chapter 5 and beginning in verse number 13. Matthew chapter 5 and verse number 13. Give you a minute to get there. Amen. Good to have all of our guests and our visitors here on a Wednesday night. We want to say a big welcome from Apostolic Revival Center. Let's give them a hand in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. It's also good to have um, my wife, one of my wife's best friends from Rialto, California, Sister Marissa McVeigh in the house of the Lord. She came right in right during our kids' deal and just stepped in and started serving Elote. And uh, I thank God for that. And so it's good that uh, she's here with us here tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. How many enjoyed that kids' revival this last weekend? I think that was a blast. Amen. Brother Hodge ministered, and I think he ministered to more than just kids. Uh, uh, We had had 65 kids on Saturday and then uh, a little over 50 on Sunday, and so that's awesome. There were some kids that came this weekend that have never been to our church and have never been to church before. And uh, let me tell you, it makes all of the difference. Amen? Amen. And so I want to say thank you for all of those. This was an all-hands-on-deck event. Everybody pitched in. Everybody made some. Some people were serving. Some people were out there. Brother Worley was out there just picking up trash or the little thing. Uh, some people were watching, making sure kids didn't get run into the road. We had people just going everywhere. And, uh, you know, it was, it was if I could put it in, in these terms, it felt like five-star church. Amen? We, I felt like it was just so smooth and that everybody was looking to help and work. And, you know, that's just, that's just what happens when, when we portray a spirit of excellence. And uh, I, I felt like that was exactly what happened this last weekend. And it made a world of difference. I told my testimony over at Brother and Sister Riley's church a couple weeks ago. Uh, not all of it, but little details, uh, but one part that I, I have probably not even said in this church is that 
One of the few times that I ever went to church uh, was when I was probably about seven years old. Baptist Church knocked on my door, and they were smart. They brought candy with them, and, uh, and they asked me if I wanted to come to a little kid's weekend. And I had never been to church before, and I said, sure. And I remember, I don't remember a whole lot. I just remember it was fun. I remember there was candy. I remember we were singing stuff about this little light of mine. I don't really know all the words, but I remembered it enough. And I have to believe that it was a moment like that, that when the time came for me to be invited to an apostolic church, that it was that moment that made the whole world, of, one of those moments that made a world of difference. Amen. So we don't know exactly what all's coming from this last weekend. All I do know is that God's going to bring revival through this weekend. And everybody said amen. Amen. Uh, Matthew chapter 5, verse 13. I want to continue on in, in teaching. Amen. Uh, and although we have passed beyond the Beatitudes, we have not passed beyond the Sermon on the Mount. And these are things that are going to bring the favor of God into our life. Matthew chapter 5, beginning in verse number 13, verse that I ended on last week. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has lost his savor or his flavor or his, uh, his consistency, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and trodden underfoot of men. You are the light of the world, a city that is set on a hill cannot be hid, neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but they put it on a candlestick, and it gives light to all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to Fulfill, for verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass away, not one jot or one tittle, this is the smallest letter in the Hebrew alphabet, and the smallest little punctuation mark in the, in the, uh, in the Hebrew alpha, alphabet, not one jot or tittle shall in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. Whosoever therefore shall break one of these of the least of the commandments, and shall teach men so, he shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. There's the burden right there on the pulpit to make sure that we don't just preach it, but we practice it. Amen. But whosoever shall do and teach them, the same shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I say unto you that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees. You shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. Amen. And I'm going to focus here tonight on, on this. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. And whosoever shall do and teach these things, the same shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. And I want to teach to us on this subject here tonight, keys to kingdom greatness. Keys to kingdom greatness. And I'm going to make this a part one. We're going to do a couple of this because if not, we're going to be here a little while. Part one, I'm going to talk to you about this subtitle, being. Everybody say being. 
Amen. Being. Set down your Bibles and let's pray that God would touch us here tonight in the wonderful name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Father, we love you. We thank you tonight. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your spirit, God, that is in this place, God, that is moving amongst us, God. I pray that today, Lord, that we would get a revelation of identity, God, that we would hold fast, amen, to what we have received, God, that we would apply it to our lives, Jesus. Hallelujah. That we can be favored, that we can be great in the kingdom of God. I pray in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ. And everybody said, amen. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Man, keys to kingdom greatness, part one, being, being. Man, we are going to be talking about several things, and uh, we might break this down into further parts, but there's three main elements that go into being great in the kingdom. And the first one is what we're going to be talking about tonight, and that is being. The next one we're going to talk about is doing, and then finally we're going to be talking about duplicating. Amen. We're going to start tonight by talking about being. Everybody say identity. Amen. Your godly identity is what God calls you. Amen. Your godly identity is the foundation for everything else that will make you great in the kingdom of God. Your kingdom identity, your godly identity, will impact your doing, and ultimately your godly identity will impact what you are able to duplicate. Amen. James put it this way, that I will show you my faith by my works. I want you to notice that he has put it in, in this context I will show you my being by my doing. Amen. And uh, the earth's model is a little bit different than that. The earth's model defines who you are if you are doing good. Therefore, you are good. And this is where the humanistic approach to salvation, people will say, well, of course I'm going to heaven. I am a good person. But even Jesus debating with a young man that came and said, Good master, what must I do that I may inherit eternal life? He had this idea that I must do something that is equal, equal to your goodness. And so he's got this concept that it is what I do that defines who I am. Amen. Yet we cannot do any good thing without the help of God. Now, we can, we can define out what is good the way the world does. Amen. It is completely relative. What is good to you may not be good to me. In fact, Brother Hodge so aptly taught, amen, in a way that kids could understand, but so could adults. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. And Brother Jonathan got a nice taste of toothpaste on the Oreo. And I guarantee it wasn't very good. But Everybody in the building has a little bit different of a taste. There is a flavor that you enjoy, and there's a flavor you don't enjoy that somebody else does. And so there is that idea that you've got a taste or you've got an appetite. And that's the issue 
when we talk about defining out good without the help of God. Because to you, this is good and this is bad. To me, this is good and that is bad. It is moral relativism. Amen. This is why you can go to a jail cell and you can talk to two different prisoners and you can ask them, are you a good person? And they will both most definitely tell you, yes, I'm a good person. And the way they define out being good is they define it out based on what they have or have not done. They will say, I am good as a thief because at least I'm not a murderer. And the murderer will say, well, I am good because at least when I got done with the murder, I confessed to my crime and I never lied about it. What they've said is that my being is defined by my doing. But the truth is, you and I are not capable of defining what is or is not good. Jesus put it this way, there is none good but God. The Bible says in the book of Isaiah that there's none that doeth good, no, not one. You and I are not capable in our humanity to define out what is and what is not good. This is why we need the Holy Ghost on the inside of us. Amen. Because the Holy Ghost will convict you and I, the Bible says, of sin, what is wrong, and it will convict us of righteousness, what is right, and it will convict us of judgment, how to choose between the two. I want to help you here today. If you don't have the Holy Ghost, you can get the Holy Ghost tonight. And the Holy Ghost will make sure you make the right decision, not based on what you think is right or what you think is wrong, but it will be Holy Ghost judgment that will say this is what's right in the Lord and this is what's pleasing to God. And when you do it that way, you're going to be favored and you're going to be blessed. Somebody clap your hands and give the Lord some praise. Without God, we cannot choose or do that which is good. We can do what other people think are good. Amen. This is, this is the Old Testament case of, of Saul. Saul was told to slay all of, the, uh, all of the Amalekites and to finish them off, not leaving one alive. And we would say that Saul was a great humanitarian because he saved the littlest and he saved the best of the sheep. And he saved the king for future uh, interrogation. And we would all say, look at this diplomat. Look at this humanitarian saving and sparing lives. And yet God looked down from heaven and said, did I not tell you to finish it all off? Did I not tell you? And we would say, well, well, God, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. His ways are above our ways. And what God defines as good is different than what I might define as good. Amen. So this is why we've got to be in Jesus, because when we're in Jesus, we can get the right revelation of what is good and what is not. When we are in Jesus through salvation, uh, we can now have the right perception of good and evil, but also we can have the right perception of ourselves. Amen. Because this process of sanctification and being led by the Spirit is bringing you and I closer to who he has called us and who he has made us to being. Our world will often say that you are defined solely by what you do. 
This is why they've done studies on men that retire uh, from certain careers, some especially amongst those in the military, Navy SEALs and such. They've spent and invested so much of their life into saying, I am a Navy SEAL because that is what their occupation was, that the moment that they're no longer that, they don't know how to define themselves. And we've got a world that they define themselves based on what they do. The problem is, is that we don't always do the right thing. Amen. We don't always do things that we're proud of. We don't always do things that other people would be proud of. In fact, we don't always do things God would be proud of. And we think to ourselves, because I've done something bad or done something wrong, we start living our lives through this stigma that that is who I am. That one mistake makes me a mistake. That one, amen, failure makes me a failure. But that is not how God's Word says it, and that is not how God's kingdom says it. Amen. I've come to help somebody here tonight. This is where you've got Adam and Eve in the garden after doing what God told them not to do. It was wrong. You can't get rid of the fact that they did something wrong. We'll talk about doing it another time. Amen. It was something they did wrong. It wasn't okay. It was not right in the eyes of God. And yet now we have them seeing themselves through a light that God never intended them to see themselves through. The Bible says that they noticed that they were naked. But I get you, I want to help you out here today. They were naked before they noticed. The difference is, is now that they made a mistake, now that they did something, they are going to define themselves based on what they did. And they say, I did this. And the Bible says that doing led to an image of being ashamed. I want to help you here today. Shame is not of God. Shame is not from heaven. Shame is an attack from hell. Shame is an attack from your flesh. The Bible uses it in the New Testament and calls it condemnation nation. Hallelujah. I come to help somebody here today. The Bible says if we are in Christ, uh, there is therefore now no condemnation. Uh, amen. I want to help you here today uh, that if you can find yourself a place uh, in Jesus, uh, all the shame and guilt uh, is outside of Jesus. And God shows up and he says, where are you, Adam? Notice how he doesn't say failure, mistake, problem. He doesn't define him as, oh, you shameful creature. Where are you, you shameful creature? That's not what he says. Uh, he calls him by what he called him to be. He calls him to be a man. He calls him to be the first man. Uh, he says, Adam, where are you? Uh, finally, Adam shows up and says, Lord, uh, here I am, uh, but I hid myself uh, because I was afraid. Uh, my actions have now led uh, to the way I see myself as wrong, uh, and it's now led me to see you wrong. And now my actions, my doings have changed. Amen. The viewpoint of myself. And he looks up towards God and says, God, I'm naked. I'm ashamed. I messed up and I'm afraid. And God looks down and says, who told you that you were naked? Who told you that your actions define who you are? I want to help somebody here today. Amen. God's first level, amen, of being great in the kingdom uh, starts with who you are. 
It starts with identity. It starts with being. And I come to help somebody get beyond some of their doings by reminding them of what they've been called to be. Amen. I've seen people make mistake after mistake after mistake. But if you really boil it down, it wasn't the fact that they just were they were just dumb or ignorant and they just kept making dumb mistakes. I want to tell you what it was. Somewhere along the lines, when they look in the mirror, they don't see what's really there. They've got a wrong image of what God called them to be. They've got the wrong image of being. I want to help you here today. Your actions, amen, can start defining your being if you're not careful. If you're not careful, your actions will affect your being, amen, and no matter how you slice it, it's always bad. Because you can be, you can, you can do something wrong and your flesh will start telling you that you have made a mistake, that you are a mistake. On the flip side, you can be pretty good. Have a 401k, have a nice home, a white picket fence, and a dog named Scruffy. And it can tell you you're better than the person sitting next to you. It's not right either way you slice it. Amen. That somehow my actions make me better than or worse than. I want to tell you that each person has a unique call from God. Each person has a unique being. Somebody aptly understood and made this statement. We are human beings, not human doings. Amen. Not human beings do. Amen. Human doings don't be. Amen. And so... This identity and these, these, these actions, they, they, they are separate. But what happens is we often define ourselves by our actions. And we will say, because I have done something good this week, I am loved of God. We talked about this a couple weeks ago, that now I am loved by God. And my doing has now made who I am currently being. That's unfortunately not true. Amen. That would be nice once in a while to say, man, this week I'm really loved by God. The problem is it's always got to flip to the coin. This week I didn't do very good, so I must not be very loved by God. Now, it doesn't matter what I've done this week or what I will do next week or what I have not done this week. Uh, my father, even though he's been dead for many years, my father is still Wesley Del Hood III. The second, I'm sorry, my brother's the third. We got too many, one, two, three, now there's a fourth. No matter how I slice it, no matter what I do, my father is still Wesley Hood. I'm going to help somebody here today. And no action that I do or do not take will change the fact that he is, in fact, my father. And yet there are people that they view their relationship with God based on their doings and not based on their being. And their being, I want to tell you today, you can make mistake after mistake after mistake, but you are still a child of God. Prodigal son, you can spend all of your living, amen, going out in the world and doing some riotous things. You can even look at your father and say, I wish you were dead. Give me my inheritance. But it does not change the fact that he is still your father and you are still his, his kid. Because that's what I am being. That is my being. In him we live, we move, and we have our being. Amen. I cannot change that fact. The DNA that runs through my veins is going to run through my veins till the day that I die. Amen. I am his child, and therefore I am 
his child, the child of God as well. Amen. Identity and actions are in fact separate. In an ideal world, they would be connected because it'd be so much easier to define people just based on what they've done or have not done. And this is how we judge one another. We judge people based on that, but that doesn't mean that's who they really are. Amen. We are given power by the Holy Ghost to be a, a few things. Amen. The Bible would give us this example. We're given power of the Holy Ghost to be a witness. It doesn't talk about doing witnessing. I want you to know that just because we knock doors on Saturday doesn't mean that's the only time we are a, a witness, amen, under God. I'm a witness on Monday, on Tuesday, because that's not just an action. It's who I am. Furthermore, I'm not just a child of God because I came to church tonight and tomorrow I'm not going to be a child of God because I'm not currently at the church house. Uh, amen. What I am, what I am being, my identity has not shifted from day to day, moment to moment. Can I help us here today? Gideon, you are a mighty man of valor. Never fought a battle, never done a war. But when God looked down from heaven, he said, let me tell you about your being. Uh, your being, uh, who you are, your identity, the way I see you. Other people don't see you that way. You don't even see yourself that way. But I see something great in you. And God looks down from heaven and starts speaking to your identity. And I want to help you here today. Somewhere along the lines, we've got to align our viewpoint of our being uh, with the way that God has a viewpoint of our being. We might be naked. We might be ashamed. We might have made mistakes, but somewhere we've got to hit an altar and say, God, what are you telling me my identity is? God, what are you speaking over me? Amen. This is why we've got to be in Christ. Got to be in Christ. Amen. If you are in Christ, you are a new creature. You may not feel like a new creature this week. You may not feel like a new creature tomorrow. Amen. But you are. Hallelujah. Amen. We, we see consequences of people that focused solely on doing and not on being. And I, I'm going somewhere here tonight. Amen. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 21 through 23, they said, we did this in your name. We did that in your name. We did this in your name. We did that in your name. And they defined who they were in God, whether or not they did X, Y, or Z. And God looked down from heaven and said, I don't know who you are. They would have been better off to say, I've been washed in your blood. I've been bought by your blood. I'm a child of the kingdom. I've made mistakes, haven't always been perfect. I didn't always cast out devils. In fact, sometimes I felt like one. But who I am is what you've called me to be. I'm forgiven. I'm loved. I am your child. Instead of defining themselves by who they, what they have done. Being is a reality and a process at the same time. I want you to understand this here today. Who I am being, if I could use really bad grammar, amen, what I am being or I be, amen, if I be something, amen, I am being a son of God. At the same time, I am a son of God and I am becoming a son of God. Amen. This is where we've got to understand something called grace. Hallelujah. Have grace on yourself. Because when he washed you in his blood, amen, you, he said, this is my child. You are his son. He got, you got his blood running through your veins. That is your being. You are 
being his child. And what happens if you make a mistake that doesn't change the fact that you are currently being his child? You're just uh, currently doing something, amen, that he wishes his child would not do. You, you were made a son of God. You were made a daughter of God. Uh, you are being, uh, as you are living life, going through Walmart and going through your job, uh, as you are living and having your being, uh, you have not separated yourself from being in Christ. Uh, I am currently being his child child and being his son and yet at the same time there is a tension because I've got the burden and the responsibility to also amen become his son again I've already said I'm my father's son there's nothing I can do about it amen but being a child of God there is this tension because amen as Paul would put it this way and we're going to go back to our text Jesus put it this way you are the salt he told him you are you are the salt. That is an identity, not just an action. But what happens if the salt loses its flavor? What if the salt stops being salt? He says that if the salt stops being salt, uh, not if the salt stops doing salt, uh, if the salt stops being what it is at the molecular level, uh, he said it might as well just be gravel. If the salt ever forgets what it is and who it is, he said at that point it's good for nothing and it might as well be cast out. Jesus then said you are the light of the world. This is being. This is identity. Paul put it this way though. Amen. If the light becomes darkness, how great is that darkness? If the light ever lets what it was called to be go back to what it was called out of, we have missed out on what God has called us to be. We have missed our moment, uh, amen, to be the light of the world. Uh, if, we, if we abdicate our, our, our throne, if you will, uh, of what he has called us to be, uh, we no longer, uh, amen, allow ourselves to be as great uh, as he called us to be in the kingdom, uh, amen, because before the light ever shines, uh, amen, it has to be light, uh, amen, before the salt ever tastes good, uh, it must be salt. It's got to be it first before it ever does it. Amen. I want you to understand this. Paul said this, this darkness deal. If light, amen, changes what it's ever called to be or changes what it is, if it ever forgets what it is, amen, it's, it's, it's like taking a light and covering it up. This is what Jesus talked about. Amen, it might as, you might as well not have a light at all. If it's salt and it no longer even has its flavor, it's lost its identity, it's good for, it's not even salt anymore. You might as well be chewing on gravel. Amen, you might as well walking it on the ground. This is why as the apostolic person, as a child of God, we must never lose what God has called us to be. Well, well, pastor, I have made a mistake. Don't lose what God called you to be. Don't allow what you've done or have not done to stop you in that revelation of what God has made you to be. Luke 12 and 6, he says a few statements. Uh, Jesus says, you are of value, more value than many sparrows. Uh, amen. You want to know what you are? You are of value. Uh, in John 15, uh, he says, you are my friends. Uh, in 1 Corinthians 6 and 9, it says, you are clean. Uh, in 1 John 1, 
1 and 5, it says you are light. You are the children of light. Walk as children of light. Once you understand what you be, now you can do. Amen. In Galatians chapter 3 and chapter 4, it says you are sons of God. You are heirs of God. You are joint heirs with Christ. Amen. 1 Corinthians 3 and 9 says you are God's field. You are God's building. You are God's heritage. Amen. In 1 Corinthians 12 and 27, it says you are the body of Christ. In 1 Corinthians 3 and 16, it says you are the temple of God. You are where the Spirit of God dwells. And Peter put it this way. You are a chosen people. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. You are God's prize possession. John 15 and 5, he said, I am the vine, but you are the branches. Don't ever get it mixed up. You're not the vine. You're not the source. You're the branch. And if you can recognize you're the branch, you can get connected to the vine where all your source comes from, where all your help comes from, where all your strength comes from. Oh, somebody ought to clap your hands and give the Lord some praise. Come on, I think we ought to give God praise. Hallelujah. We are the sheep of his pasture. We are his beloved. And he is our God. Oh, somebody give him praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We must remind ourselves what we are called to be. Amen. God has already looked at over our lives and said, that's what you are. And if we ever get it mixed up and don't really remember or we lose that revelation, for example, if we lose the revelation that we are his branches, we get disconnected and we wonder why we shriveled up and our actions start lining up to the fact that we don't have a revelation that we are called to be his branches. If we, get a, if we miss out on the revelation that we are his body and we start thinking that we are a body all by ourselves, we get disconnected one from another. And the Bible says that if we walk in the light as he is in light. Now, again, if our perception of who we are called to be is off, amen, then now our doings or our actions get off too. And we stop walking in the light as he is in the light. We stop having fellowship one with another. And therefore, the blood of Jesus Christ can no longer cleanse us from any sins. If we ever forget that we are of more value than many sparrows, we will start spending our lives on pursuits that are not worth as much as we are. If we ever forget that we have been called uh, his friends, uh, we will start looking at God like our enemy. Uh, if we ever forget that we have been cleaned uh, because of his word, uh, we will stop reading his word uh, and we will do things that we will regret. Uh, if we ever forget that we are the light uh, and we are the salt, uh, we'll just be, amen, nothing more than cobblestone for people to walk on uh, and we'll be nothing more, uh, amen, than just a candle without a light. Uh, if we ever forget uh, that we are God's sons uh, and God's daughters, uh, we will start acting uh, like somebody else's kids. I want to help you here today. Who you are matters. And having revelation of who you are matters because it affects whether or not you're going to be great in the kingdom. You've got to have a revelation of who you are and whose you are.
You've got to have an identity. You've got to have an identity. And it can't be defined by you. And it can't be defined by me. And it can't be defined by my actions. And it can't be defined by my culture. And it can't be defined by my family. It's got to be defined by God. Oh, somebody lift up your hands. Let's pray. Oh, come on, let's pray. Come on, let's pray. Come on, your revelation of who you are is hindering you from being great in the kingdom. Without a revelation of who God called you to be and who you are to God, you will keep living to the lowest common denominator in the kingdom and you will not be the greatest in the kingdom. Amen. you got to get a revelation tonight of who you've been called to be. If we forget that we are a chosen people, we just start thinking we're common people. If we forget that we're a royal priesthood, you know, the priests in the Old Testament, yeah, there were certain things they did and certain things they could not do. But you know why they were okay with that? Because they had a revelation. We're the priests. I've noticed some people start doing things and going some places when they forget who they're called to be. Because they forget, I'm called, if you get a revelation, let me, let me help somebody here today and, and maybe bring it back to the modern day. If you, had, if you were Bill Gates' son or daughter, okay, everybody just, we're going to go back to kids' church for a moment. Close your eyes and think about that. There's a lot of dollar bills in your bank account right now. Forget about your payments. Forget about your house. You got Bill Gates as your dad. Anybody know who Bill Gates is? All right, cool. I'm just making sure. You know, I know we, well, Microsoft folk, praise God, will help you. But you got all that money in daddy's bank account. But if you ever forget that that's who your dad is, you start living like a pauper. You start stressing about your bills. You start stressing about whether or not you're going to make it in life. You start stressing about this, that, or the other because you forgot who you were called to be. You forgot what family you were born into. And I've seen people do that in the kingdom of God. Amen. This is where their actions don't line up to who they've been called to be. Because they forgot who they're called to be. They forgot who God called them to be. They forgot that they were born again to be some things. Amen. And then now their actions are not lining up with it. And there's people that they were born into a into a, a royal family. Amen. Don't forget that your dad is the king. Because if you don't remember that your dad's the king, you start acting like all the civilians around you. You know, I, I read an article a little while ago talking about the, the royals in, in England. And I think at this point it's just kind of a joke. But, uh, but they've got certain rules for the kids. They teach them certain manners, and they teach them certain ethics, and they teach them certain things that they've got to abide by, and this is what it is. And they, they do it because they know that my dad is royalty. And because my dad is royalty, I am royalty. And I don't want my dad, uh, amen, to, I don't want my dad to look down, uh, amen, from his throne uh, and think uh, I'm not living up to the royalty I know I am. But I've seen people time and time again forget that their dad is the king of kings and their dad is the Lord of lords. And they forget that he's sitting on a throne in heaven, uh, amen, cheering them on, uh, saying they can make it. Uh, and they live down at this low level, uh, amen, this is as far as I can go. Uh, this is how they exist. Uh, this is how they are being. Somebody pray all across the house. Let's stand across the building.
You want to be great in the kingdom, it starts with who you are called to be. It starts with who you are called to be. Before you ever get to actions, you got to start with identity. you got to start with saying, this is who I am in God. This is what God has called me to be. And when I realize what God has called me to be, it's going to influence my actions. It's going to influence my deeds. It's going to influence my lifestyle. When I realize who I'm called to be, it changes everything. Man. Now let's imagine for a moment that you did not know Bill Gates was your dad. And somebody knocked on the door tonight and said, Preacher, be quiet. I've just come to let you know that uh, DNA test came in from Mallory, and Bill Gates is the father. And somebody just got an inheritance. First off, you would shout a whole lot different. But you'd also start living a little bit different. It would now influence your actions. It would start to influence the way you carried yourself. I read an article a little while ago about a young man who was the worst in his grade. And his mom begged him to take the SATs, but he was flunking out of everything. And finally, he said, fine, I'll take it. And he took the test, and the scores came in a couple months later. Kids flunking everything. And it gave him an absurdly high score. And this kid who was flunking everything got this score that said, I don't even know what the scale is. I, I didn't really do too good on that either. But, uh, but, but he got this really high score, one of the highest scores in the school. And this kid that was flunking out and on his way to prison before he could say hallelujah saw this score and started showing up to class early. And started listening when the teacher was speaking. And started doing his homework. And started taking the tests. And this young man ended up going and getting into one of the most prestigious colleges. Ended up going into a very prestigious field. And it wasn't until several years later, after he'd already accomplished so much, that the test scores, amen, were revealed that he had been sent the wrong test score. And he had, in fact, failed. But because he saw himself through this identity that I'm smart and I've got potential, his actions started changing. So before I come and teach to you about being great in the kingdom by your actions, I've come to talk to you tonight about remembering that in the kingdom you are already great because of whose child you are. And if you get the revelation of who you are in God, the actions won't be any problem. The lifestyle won't be any problem. Amen. The things that you do and the things that you say to other people will not be a challenge. But the biggest challenge, there are some things here tonight that are blocking you and blocking me from seeing who God has called us to be. First and foremost, our past because we can look at our track record and say, well, I've already messed up so many times. Or I did not succeed, so therefore I don't think I can do it. And we let that remind us of all the times we failed, and now we think we cannot succeed. But God comes back and reminds us, amen, that if you can get yourself in me, all things are new. He washes all those things away. No matter how many mistakes you make, your biological father is still your biological father. And it's no different in the kingdom. No matter how many mistakes you make, he's still your father. 
The second and the most predominant thing that I found that hurts people. Everybody point to your mind. Stinking thinking. Turn to your neighbor and tell them that. Stinking thinking. You know, your perception can really ruin your actions. It can really ruin relationships. You know, people with their stinking thinking can ruin. They can self-destruct a good thing. Because all up here, they've got a narrative going on in their head that is not even true. And there are things that are hindering you and I from being what God has called us to be. But Paul put it this way. If any man purge himself from these, all these impure things, all of these other other things, the, the, the wood, the hay, the stubble, if you can purge and purify yourself, you can burn those things out. All you're left with after the fire is the silver and the gold and the precious things. The Bible says if you purge yourself of these, you will be a vessel of honor. Now I got a question. Were you not already a vessel of honor? Of course you were. But there was too much wood, too much hay, too much stubble, too much other junk in the way for you to really see. And it took a little bit of fire to burn it all out. Sometimes coming to church is just that. It's God bringing a mirror and saying, clear that out. Clear that out. It's obscuring your vision of yourself. Clear your mind out. Let your mind be transformed here tonight. See, there's a disparity between what we've been called to be, declared to be, and what I've been and what I've done. Romans 7, the good that I would do, I do not, and the evil that I would not do, that I do. Oh, wretched man. This is how he's now viewing himself. Oh, wretched man that I am. But God never called him wretched. He now viewed himself as wretched. Romans 7, Christian, that's struggling tonight. You're still a son or a daughter of God. Your actions are not changing your identity. You're still a son. In fact, what do we call the prodigal in the story? The prodigal Not the prodigal idiot. Not the prodigal mess up. Because his identity never changed based on his actions. In fact, the Bible never even calls him prodigal. We do. When his dad looked at him, he didn't say, my prodigal son has returned. He didn't even say, my servant has returned. My good-for-nothing person that has been in my family that left my family has returned. He said, my son. I would tonight that we would get a revelation of what God has called us to be, of what we are being, not what we've done, not what we've said, not where we've been, but what we are. I would tonight that we got a revelation not from our perspective, not from other people's perspective. I would tonight that we got a revelation from God, our, our Heavenly Father's perspective, that when He looks down on you and I, He sees a royal priesthood. He sees His friend. He sees the sheep of His pasture. He sees those, uh, amen, that, have, that, that are part of His church, uh, those that are a chosen people, a royal priesthood. He looks down and said, that's my son. That's my daughter. If we get that revelation tonight, it would change everything. I want us to lift up our hands and let's pray. I'm done. To be great in the kingdom, it starts with being. 
you, you've already been called of, of value. Just remind yourself every day. He already said, I'm of great value, so I'm going to be of great value. Amen. God has already said that I'm his friend, so I'm not, I'm not going to go and say I'm less than or I'm his enemy. I'm just going to be his friend. He's already cleaned me out through his word and said I'm clean through the word which he spoke. I'm just going to remain in that. I am clean. He already called me to be light. I'm not going to cover it up. I am the light. I have already been called to be salt. I'm not going to water it down. I'm just going to let myself be salt. I've already been called a child of the king. I'm not going to act like I'm somebody else's kid. Somebody lift up your hands and let's pray. I want to open up these altars. Would you come? Come on. You are God's field. You are God's building. You are God's temple. You are God's body. You are God's chosen people. You are royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. You are God's very precious possession. You are the branch. You are part of the body. You are his bride. You are his friend. You are valuable. You are clean. You are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. Don't stop being what God has called you to be. Don't give up on it even if you fail. Just go back to being salt. Go back to being light. Don't throw it on the ground. Don't discard it. Just say, God, I haven't seen myself in this light. But tonight, I'm going back to being what you called me to be. God, I'm going back to viewing myself through the right lens, through the right identity. God, renew my mind. God, renew my heart. Call me, God. God, call me. I'll be what you call me, God. Come on, let's pray all across this house. Come on, let's pray all across this place, all across this house. Come on. God defines me. I don't define me. God defines me. Culture doesn't define me. God defines me. My actions don't define me. God defines me. His word defines me. My family doesn't define me. My mind doesn't define me. Other people don't define me. God defines me. I find my identity in him. Come on. I am a son of God, and I am becoming a son of God. I am a child of God, and I am also becoming a child of God. God, I pray, give everybody a revelation of grace tonight. Give them a revelation of grace. There's a disparity between what I've called to be and what I've currently been. But, God, it doesn't change the identity you see about me. Somebody pray.
Hallelujah. Somebody pray. Come on. Maybe you made a mistake. Maybe you didn't do something right. Devil, that was my action, not my identity. Come on, Gideon, maybe you've not been fighting, but that didn't change your identity in God. You're still a mighty man or woman of God. Come on, you've been called to be great in the kingdom. You've been called to be great in the kingdom. Don't settle for mediocrity. Don't settle for status quo. You've been called to be great in the kingdom. That's who God's called you to become, who he's calling you to be. Hallelujah. Amen. Let me talk to somebody for a moment. Step one, being great in the kingdom. Being. Before we ever get to doing action and activity, you must get a revelation of who you are. Jesus looked at Peter and said, Who do he asked everybody who, who do men say I am? And they said, Well, John the Baptist, one of the prophets. And then he said, Who do you say that I am? Not popular opinion. I want to know. Who I am to you. Peter said, well, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And he said, blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this unto you. Because again, it takes a revelation, folks, of his identity. And it also takes a revelation of your identity, too. And I say unto you, thou art Peter. Well, I have not preached Pentecost yet. I have not baptized anybody in Jesus' name. Didn't matter. He said, you are Peter. He denies Jesus. And the Bible says he goes back to fishing. Because he started seeing himself as Simon again. Simon the fisherman. All I ever be. And Jesus shows up calls him Simon because that's the way that he's been acting. That's how he sees himself right now. He's connected with him. Simon, do you love me? Gets done with all of his sermon, if you will. And he looks at him and says, Peter, it's a reminder of who I called you to be. And you never see him be called Simon again from that point forward because he gets the revelation. And think about it. He denies Jesus. And 47 days later, he's preaching a conference with 3,000 people. Now, let me tell you, the Bible says he was cussing. You wouldn't let me preach on Sunday if I started cussing you out. But Peter was preaching a conference. What changed? When he got a revelation of who he was called to be, he started acting like it. And a man who kept in a moment of struggle, in a moment where he was unsure of his identity, when they asked him, do you know who Jesus is? When it wasn't just one-on-one -on -one with Jesus and we're at church and everybody's shouting, he said, I don't even know the man. And threw out some words we can't repeat. 
You fast forward to the moment he gets a revelation with Jesus. Acts chapter 4. He's got a revelation of Jesus. He's been Peter. He preached Pentecost. And the Bible says they threw Peter in prison. And, and they said, don't preach in this name. And he kept preaching. The Bible says they whipped him and they beat him. But that didn't stop him from preaching. Because once he got a revelation of who he's called to be, it changed his actions. And the Bible says he was excited to suffer shame for the name. Simon was ashamed of Jesus. But Peter was not. And I believe there's people in this house that if you can get a revelation from the Holy Ghost tonight of who God's called you to be, you'll stop being ashamed of Jesus. That if you get a revelation of who he is, you'll start living to the level God has called you to be. If you get a revelation of who God's called you to be and get converted from Simon to Peter, you will start being great in the kingdom of God. I want us to lift up our hands one more time and let's pray. Come on, let's pray all across this house. God, I've lived less than my royal estate. I've been living like a pauper when I'm a child of the king. I've been living like a beggar when my king is my father and he owns everything. God, I've been living, amen, as somebody who, who just doesn't live up to the word and just doesn't live to God's standard. And God, I know, I know, I know I haven't done that, but it's because I've not had a revelation of whose child I am. And God, I pray right now for every individual that the devil's been speaking to and trying to trick them and convince them like he did Eve that you're not good enough the way God created you. I rebuke that in Jesus' name. Uh, my identity in God is enough. Somebody pray right now in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on. Come on, when God gives you that revelation, uh, walk in it. Uh, come on, if he calls you to be a man of God, don't wait until you're preaching a conference. Be a man of God uh, on a pew. Be a man of God sweeping the floors. Be a man of God across the city. Somebody pray. I'll say yes. Come on, he called you to be great in the kingdom. God, I'm already knowing that's my identity. Greatness is in me. Greatness is in me. I'm going to live out greatness in my heart. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'll never forget. I was living in Spokane, working my job, doing the best I could. I wasn't living in sin or doing anything wrong. But the way I used to pray was this. God, one day, one day, when I'm a man of God, one day, 
when I'm a preacher. One day when I'm a pastor. And it wasn't one day and then start criticizing my pastor. That wasn't it. It was one day, I'm going to do this for you. I'm going to do that for you. And I thought it was such a high aspiration. And it was so noble. Until one day, Elder, the Holy Ghost convicted me. And God spoke to me and said, I don't call you one day. I just call you. And God convicted me. He said, stop praying one day and start praying right now. So I made the decision. I am a man of God. Nobody might have saw me that way. They might not even see me that way today. But I made the decision. I'm going to be in alignment with what God has said about me. You know what started happening, Elder? My actions started getting in alignment with the way I saw myself. I started showing up to work saying, you know, I started showing up on the job site saying, God, help me to teach a Bible study. Help me to find somebody. What would happen here tonight if we really got a revelation? It might be that God called you a business owner and you are working for minimum wage and you are barely paying your bills. What would happen if you started saying, God, I'm going to start looking along this city for a need. And God, what is that need that I can fill? And you start looking for opportunities. I wonder what would happen. I believe God would open doors that no man can shut. I believe God. For all the folks who want to get married, the Bible says he that finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor of the Lord. You keep walking around with spirit of girlfriend, you'll never be a wife. (laughs) Come on. We keep saying one day, we'll never be it. But if we'll make the decision to be it, everything that comes along with that will start showing up. This ain't psychotherapy or anything. This is real word. As a man thinketh, so is he. Let's pray one more time all across this house. Thank you, Jesus, for your word. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you, Jesus, for everything that you have called us to be. I pray, God, there's things that you've spoken over people, eternal things. God, things that maybe the devil has stolen from us and things that maybe we have forgotten about, maybe things that we have ignored or thrown by the wayside and took out to the trash because we didn't believe that we were good enough for it. But I pray in the name of Jesus, remind people what they're called to be. And God, I pray that they would get that revelation. I am the salt of the earth. I am the light of the world. I am the friend of God. I am the child of God. God, bless us to be what you've called us to be in Jesus name and everybody said amen shake hands be friendly love one another don't forget Sunday service at 1 30 p.m. go invite somebody to be in the house of the Lord in Jesus name God bless you